Jeez, Dad, not the car again. Oh, happens all the time with old Betsy. Have you checked out Carvana yet? They have thousands of cars for under $20,000. But do those thousands of cars have personality like old Betsy? Betsy's held together by tape. And there are raccoons living in the engine. It's a family car. Uh, there are flames on the hood? Ah, custom paint job. No, Dad, the car's on fire. How many cars did you say Carvana had? Visit Carvana.com to shop thousands of cars for under $20,000. We'll drive you happy at Carvana. When Arsenal knocks on the door of players, it's a different knock than other clubs. Maybe we'll have a good surprise for you. That's Vieira! Absolutely fantastic! Thierry Henry! He scored! He scored for Arsenal! It is just what Thierry Emerick Aubameyang does. Gabriel Martinelli has equalised for the Gunners! Welcome back to the Different Knock podcast with Alexander Moneypenny, my very good friend Bradley Adams, and as Ben White, according to Fabrizio Romano, is a done deal to be announced in the next days after medicals. Before we welcome Ben White, we must welcome Liam from Albion Analytics. Welcome, Liam. Thank you for having me, guys. It's nice to be on. Appreciate it. We just had some uh, some Zoom based uh, problems technically, which is uh, all. I mean, too it's not Zoom based problems. It's just me not understanding Zoom. <laughs> but. We'll, we'll blame Zoom. We'll blame Zoom. Uh, yeah, Liam, thank you so much for coming on. Man, really appreciate it. Um, really looking forward to hearing your perspective on Ben White. I'm massively excited about the deal. Um, I think me too. Yeah, I think you know the sort of uh, the price tag aside is maybe my only real concern, but the player I think we're getting, I'm. I'm really excited about it. But before we get into that, uh, Liam, how did you get into this? So uh, you run Albin Analytics. You have my maybe my favourite name for a podcast ever, Expected Gulls, which is just chef's kiss. Unbelievable. Um, but yeah, how did you get into this? Um, how did you end up doing this? Talk to me about it. Of course. Um, well, it was a while ago now, um, sort of May 2019. I was in just finished my first year at uni, a degree which I've, I've since finished, actually. This is the first time I've done a podcast since. So it sounds a bit weird saying that now. Um, but yeah, as part of my degree, which is was, yeah, in football coaching and management that I was doing, um, oh. part of that was, yeah, encouraged to, you know, sort of go out and explore the the, the wider sphere of football um, and, and get some sort of involvement there. So analysis was, was part of that. Um, and basically it was sort of more, more of like a portfolio, I guess, is the best way to sort of word it, that I was trying to take some uh, or take a dive into analysis really. And I thought, you know, what, what better way to do that than sort of try and understand Brighton a bit more um, sort of at the same time. Um, or as it was happening, Hutton had left Brighton um, and Graham Potter was coming in. I know, obviously, he planned to chat about him later on. Um, and yeah, I, I perhaps felt at the time that his his sacking was a bit a bit harsh and, you know, quite a few people on Twitter I saw had some you know, quite strong takes. And I thought, you know, let, let me look at things a bit more and see, you know, how, how reason it is. Obviously, I know it's quite difficult sometimes to try and use logic when it comes to, to football fans and I'm guilty of myself sometimes. <laughs> I don't want him to listen. But, um, but that's how I sort of really got into it. And it's, yeah, I've been, you know, really grateful for it to sort of blossom from there and, um, it's really nice to see. I think the whole sort of sphere of the analysis, you know, and analytics community, and even coaching as well. Because I've obviously come into this from a lot more of a coaching background, and um, you know, a lot of people have said to me, that, you know, are you good with stats, and no, I'm, I'm terrible. I've got, got a GCSE in maths. That's about it. So um, <laughs> yeah, not good. But it's yeah, it's all Boston from there, really, and, and, and really loving it. So it's, it's all great. That's really really cool, man. And uh, yeah, and listen, if yeah. you want hot takes on Twitter at Bradley Adams um, so so from the coaching it's usually just rage filled, filled tweets as soon as something happens and then I go back the next morning and delete them all <laughs> uh, so from the coaching perspective then I mean that must give you a really good perspective on the actual on-field football because I, I do think a lot of kind of uh, football uh, maybe analysis is massively kind of narrative driven rather than actually what's on the pitch so that must must be a really really beneficial from a coaching perspective then um what what do you do with that? How how's that sort of? Is it something you want to pursue? Is that something you'd love to get into again? Yeah, so so coaching is something I've done um, since I was sort of sixteen, so twenty one now. So I've got a sort of sort of five years of coaching. Um, I'm sort of at the moment going more down the analysis route, um, sort of academically and, and professionally. Um, cool. But de- but definitely, I think it benefits me now in the sort of the career that I'm in, um, and also sort of beyond that when when you watch things. I think it was a big thing. Um, obviously, we probably won't want to discuss it too much, but sort of England at, at the Euros where, you know, there are lots of media takes on players that have been benched and bits and pieces. And, was, you know, uh, I think I was trying to really emphasize with, with Gareth Southgate, which says a lot of these sort of ex-Palace. So, um, you know, I was really doing, <laughs> doing my most there, um, you know, with, with his his philosophy and how he wants to play and his career as a, as a defender, uh, all things you have to consider. And it's the same now when, when we get management, you know, you'll see it with, with Arteta and, 
the midfields that he played in, the the people that he worked under, how that influences players. And it'll be the same with Graham Potter. Um, so I think, you know, sort of trying to have an appreciation of that. And, you know, when it then comes to seeing Ben White when he, when he does play for Arsenal and sort of seeing how he's used, I think you sort of, if you can appreciate that a bit more, it maybe makes things make a bit more sense if you think, oh, yeah. that seems a bit, a bit wigs. Obviously, we've all got, um, us here have got our own sort of unique perspectives on football from what we played, what we were coached, what we've seen. Um, and what, you know, we all think there's, there's a right way. Um, and, and unfortunately, no one's right. There's just different ways of doing it. Um, yeah, mm. absolutely, absolutely, man. Uh, so yeah, you mentioned Ben White there, and coming on to uh, Ben White, uh, the so man, the myth, the man, the myth. Uh, so six foot tall, uh, twenty three years old, mainly plays at centre back. When oh, he's younger than me, <laughs> he was born in the same hospital as God. me a couple of months later. So I hate him already. Um, so overall then so talk to me about so he came through the uh, the Southampton Academy left in 2014 and joined the Brighton Academy in 2014 what were your first impressions of Ben White from a sort of uh, well just from any any kind of perspective when was the first time you saw him what, what did you sort of first think um sort of trying to remember back now I, I really sort of can't remember making sort of his debut in the cup um because yeah for as long as I remember he's been out on loan and done really well he's mm. you know he's, he's a hallmark now of what Brighton sort of youth um or loan pathway rather is sort of um, becoming and Robert Sanchez has followed that of sort of going progressing through through the leagues. Um, he, he spent time at Newport um, in League Two and was part of you know their really good cup run that saw them get to Wembley I think against Spurs. Uh, went to League One with with Peterborough and I've got um, a mate of mine who's, who's a big Peterborough fan. You know even then he said he's like you've got a serious player. He's like this this bike's too good for League One and that's someone who season before was too good for League Two and yeah he's he's absolutely kicked on in his potential. Obviously mm. we were fortunate enough to let him go to a massive club in Leeds last season. Uh, very nice of them to sort of let, let us have him back um, and he was tremendous <laughs> there. You know we were sort of saying before we recorded that he played you know the whole season literally every minute under under Bielsa which um, I guess it's a balance of they, they do a lot of fitness work um, and, and how they're driven but also to play in that intensive system um, you know we've seen their, their pressing in the Premier League this season or last season I should say I suppose. Um, so yeah he's got a real, real engine on him and even after I think he played 36 or 38 Premier League games this season, then he's rocking up for England. And admittedly, it's probably not the most physically exerting sort of role that he has uh, in the back line. But to be so composed, not look, you know, the slightest bit knackered after that sort of congested schedule, I think is testament to really so good his finishes. Absolutely. And, and just while we're on that, his injury record and now as Brad sort of alluded to just before we recorded, this will change when it comes to Arsenal. But he has had no injuries in his professional career, according to Transfermarkt, which is incredible and speaks to a, a sort of durability and speaks to a someone who looks after themselves. Mm-hmm. Okay, so so sort of working backwards slightly. So he's worked through the leagues. He's come through. Has he got? Has he been in every single league? League two, League one, Championship, and uh, yeah, yeah, he's been in been in all, all four. Um, which for a player, you know, twenty three is is pretty astonishing. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. So, would you say then it's probably his his loan spell at Leeds that took the Brighton fans sort of most most by storm? His <laughs> name coming through. Mm, no, I think we were all very much aware. To be honest, um, I, I'd seen seen him at Newport as well. Looked very silky then. Seen him at Peterborough. Um, mm. Maybe surprised at just how well he did. But I think you know yeah. any Brighton fan that sort of followed mm. the the club and and you know he's the, sort of the start of I think a, a generation of players that were graduating through and. You know, it's, it's a big testament to the recruitment as well at Brighton because he's someone that got released from Southampton, I think, at age 16. And, and that um, approach to, you know, be prepared to go and take... And, and you know, he's, he's a project sort of player. And I think it's a horrible term, but, you know, if, if another Premier League club has released him and for whatever reason they've not seen enough potential in him, mm. um, obviously they're, they're going to regret that massively now. But you know, <laughs> such is a way that, that their, their academy is exceptional. Um, you know, I think no one's got any comments about that. Um, and yeah, I, I think people often forget that with Brighton, I suppose it's the same with Southampton as well. But if you look at that sort of catchment area, um, you know, but, but by the sea, you know, half of our recruitment area is fish in the sea. Um, so they really sort of have to be, have to have to be a bit, bit, bit more clever sometimes. Um, yeah. So while the teams do, um, but yeah, quite, quite terrific. Might produce some slippery attackers. Stupid joke. Um, so uh, that is horrendous. That is horrendous. <laughs> that was really Ow. bad. Oh. Um, yeah. So while we're on that, just quickly before we sort of dive more deeply into Ben White himself. In terms of the academies, obviously Southampton's kind of famed Walcott, Chamberlain, Gareth Bale, all those sort of people. Brighton, I don't actually know much about their academy. Is it sort of getting there? Is it Category A? Cut, cut one, yeah, it's been for a few years now. Category um, one, sorry. So the 23s, which obviously they're, they're rebranded now to, to the PL2, they won promotion via the playoffs from the PL2 Division 2, I believe it is, uh, a couple of seasons back now, I think. After so our, our promotion season for the first team, uh, our first Premier League season was seventeen eighteen. I believe they won 
the playoffs in 2018 in the summer of that and have been been there ever since. They finished sort of third in the first couple of seasons and a bit, bit lower last season, uh, but they'd sent, you know, quite a few players have gone out on loan and bits and pieces. And obviously, you, you know, your, your hallmark of your academy isn't necessarily where your academy team finishes in the league. Um, so, yeah, really, really thriving now as an academy. Uh, I believe, I know this isn't specifically to uh, the academy themselves, but I think it was over 30% of minutes given to homegrown players last season, um, which is, I think, is it is it five years training um, in the country before you turn 18? It's something, something like that. Anyway. Mm, yeah, so, yeah, someone correct me. But, um, yeah, and I believe that was top in the Prem, uh, calling it, I think it was at Amazon Prime, um, tweeted out. So, you, you know, c- coming on leaps and bounds um, and, and is an average age sort of been dropping down every season since we've been in the Prem. So becoming younger and obviously White was a big part of that. He was our, he was our most played player last season. So, again, talking about availability, no one kicked a ball for Brighton more than he did. Um, and, yeah, and yeah the, the academy is really coming on um, and White is, is a product of that. And it's I think it's now why, you know, people... Less so, and that's not in a negative of, you know, not very sad to see him go if slash when it's more likely to be a when now um, he, he does leave. Um, but, you know, confident in the pathway now that we've got in place that can produce more players to come. To, to come in and fill that. Or likewise, you know, we're, we're setting on for a very good fee, I think, um, for this point mm. in his career um, to then sort of, you know, re, re, um, re-flip that, I guess, to invest that, sorry, reinvest that into other players. It's a very good fear, I think, to try and do something with, especially in a, in a sort of a, a bit of a weird market, COVID-wise. Absolutely. And it, it creates a sustainable football club. I mean, you know, sorry to mention them, but Palace recently become a Category 1. Sorry, not Category A. Um, um, and- join us. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> just, just in your shadow. Um, but yeah, no, it, it it makes complete sense. And, you know, 50 million, you look, think about what that can pay for. You know, we talk about transfer fees in a sense of sort of, you know, oh, yeah, you know, 50 million, that's this and that and the other. But actually, that's in real terms, that's salaries, that's facilities, that's, you know, these are massive and massively important things. So you mentioned he played the most amount of games out of anyone for Brighton last season. That to me speaks to a very, very important player. Would you say Ben what was your most important player? Would you say, would you put him up there? Um, probably a weird one. I, I think it's hard because when he started the season, obviously hadn't played Premier League football before. So I think yeah, there was a lot of um, unsurety around the amount he'd be involved. I don't think anyone expected him to sort of play this amount of minutes. Obviously none of us see, you know, the amount that Graham Potter does and, and bits and pieces. Yeah. So let's, you know, I'm not pretending to be more educated than him. He's way more clever than I am. Um, but mm, yeah, it's it's tricky. It, it is tricky. Um, he really earned it though. So sort of the season went on. You, you sort of saw, you know, people were expecting him to be sort of one of the first names on the team sheet. I think it was weird because early on Potter started pushing further forwards into sort of more of a number four role, um, sort of less in the mm. back line and more sort of a bit more back to goal, um, sort of playing the half turn a bit more um, in sort of the build up phase. And there were times when we were saying, you know he can do that he's not necessarily exceptional at it and that's not his fault because that's, that's not been his role as, as a player does he need to do that you know just because he can um, but yeah by, by the end of it was someone that we were really really happy to sort of see um, involved so frequently and even towards the end of the season you know, it was really sort of grew into the into the Premier League and whilst I'm, I'm sure we're going to talk about his numbers there's you know and you, you'll see it when you watch him that I think he he eclipses sort of the, the modern defender for me he's someone who is really really comfortable out in wide areas you, you know I'm very happy to see him 1v1. Uh, I think it was in pre-season we, we played Chelsea and he was sort of 1v1 against Timo Werner uh, out on the left, so on our right side defensively. And, you know, Werner tried to go past him and he, he just blocked him off. Um, so, so good at that in terms of, you know, matching attackers with their feet patterns and spinning his hips. I know there's a lot of talk around, you know, some central defenders being really slow with their turning circle and getting back, but his his top speed is, is tremendous. He, he's really quite fast. So, yeah, that, that doesn't surprise me that he was involved to the amount that he was. Um, and again, his availability is is paramount in the sort of season we just had sort of congested fixture wise so really really good and there's someone that you can get to do a lot of different things in sort of a, a back three or back four and he'll do lots of things mm. well as well it's not that he can do them sort of five six out of ten he's seven eight and only way looks to be up only way looks to be up amazing so encouraging um mm. yeah i mean sort of building on that and sort of discussing his kind of strengths Obviously, the, the phrase that comes up in every single one of these new signing analysis is YouTube scouting. But, you know, I don't watch Brighton, so that's sort of, you know, more really I can do. To me, his strengths... Oh, yes. Uh, to me, he's set to sort of, te- you know, there's like techno speeds. I love it. Um, so to me, he looks very, very, very comfortable in possession. And I think that kind of feeds his versatility. He's You mentioned he plays at number four. That, that to me sort of sticks out as certainly one of his traits. 
his position, obviously, he's kind of set, maybe not settled, but he's he's played most of his minutes. Let's say at centre back. Do you see his him as basically a centre back, and that's his best position, or do you think he obviously he has played at a number four and played a bit further forward? But do you agree with Potter that basically that's his best position? Yeah, I don't think Potter needs needs me to agree with him. But um, and this is with my coaching hat on here is that obviously I, I try to sort of disassociate from positions too much and look more at roles. And when we say you know mm. how can we put White in his uh, in a situation to do the things that he's best at? How can we get him in his good scenarios? And he's looked exceptional, particularly at driving forward with the ball. Um, you know, sort of those big touches out from the back and not only carry mm. it but carries it really well into the final third. Can combine mm. players quite nicely. And uh, I saw it more in the England game when I watched it back. The England Romania one, one of the warm up games. Um, and what he was really, really good at is, and obviously I don't know what his intentions are each pass, but his ability to so consistently get the right weight in a pass, the right spin to set players up, even if it needs to be, you know, mm. a, a punch pass in for them to control it if they're under pressure or to get the through ball weighting right or put the right spin on it. And, you know, the the fine details and the things that you will take for granted on a pass, but if players stop doing it and you are, oh, that's a slack pass, you, you really don't seem to get that with White very much. Um, so, you know, his, his driving runs out of defence sort of became a real sort of hallmark for me. It's similar to anyone's watch sort of Sheffield United, um, I guess more in the Wilder a couple of seasons back um, when their centre-backs would, you know, play play forward with the ball and join the attack. Does that really well. Um, his crossing sort of lacked a bit of times, but, you know, that's uh, not necessarily his fault. I don't expect him to be a great crosser of the ball. I think it's quite hard to cross at the speeds he's running at as well when he gets into those sort of zones. Um, and yeah, sort of vertical passing as well. He's got a real good sort of knack of, um, with both feet as well, really comfortable on it, as you were saying, really technically excellent and, Dictates play quite nice, I think, for someone his age that is prepared sometimes to stand with his foot on the ball and just go, OK, I'm going to wait for things to move. Uh, I'll shift it left and right. Um, yeah, I'm comfortable being pressed. Sometimes seems to quite enjoy being pressed and engage players in and, and disrupt opposition in terms of their sort of defensive structure. Um, so I, I think a real fun player to watch as well. Um, it's, mm. Sometimes, you know, those defence or midfield splitting passes sometimes, you expect to see some of those, especially in wide areas. Um, you, you can really be good there, sort of punching it through on a diagonal. Yeah. I mean, Arsenal fans have been a lot of our issues sort of early on in the season were, were creativity and, and you know then the question becomes well, what does that actually mean and actually Ben White in the first phase I think is potentially one of the best in the Premier League I mean we're looking at the stats now players dribble past he's in the 97th percentile uh, dribbles completed 94th dribbles attempted 97th he's sort of an elite ball carrier forward and he's very good at taking players on and that can be so useful and as you mentioned his sort of versatility not only in positionally but how he plays it out I mean he's got both feet he can play it down the wing he can play in many different positions something I really like is how often he switches play with both feet as well um, I think creatively when you're trying to build up and you're trying to you know sort of construct attacks someone like Ben White being there we've had David Luiz and David Luiz has his strengths and you're smiling and yeah me too um, you know yeah well listen yeah it's no absolutely and, and, and actually if you are trying to play out from the back I think Arsenal are we're number one in some kind of stat in terms of in some short passes out from the keeper. Like we are, you know, we really, really are wedded to playing out from the back. And when you have someone like a David Luiz or a Ben White, hopefully Ben White minus the mistakes and the, you know, has a haircut. The, 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 the ability in the first phase that Ben White has is to me looks absolutely elite. And I think can be so useful in terms of build up and so useful to kind of spring that creativity. I've often basically really struggle with how sort of um, the lack of centrality that we've had at, at times in build-up. And I think Ben White can go some way to fixing that. I, I think so. Um, just just a point on that. I, I know that from sort of the start of the season that he looked really, really good when he had someone like Tarek Lamptey on the outside of him. Um, really good at sort of feeding players as well. Um, and, and as you mentioned, a good player in terms of switching the ball. Probably could sort of do a role where he's almost pushed out being the widest player. You know, can, yeah, I did that for yeah. some times as well. Um, so particularly good. I, I know, obviously, I, I think probably the strengths are more on the left side for Arsenal, but I know that you know there's a big value of sort of whip and build up and, and using sort of wing back type players. So in in terms of sort of system difference, I don't think there's a huge amount between Arsenal and Bryce. At least as you mentioned, sort of in terms of build up play, what we're doing in the first phase and how to get the ball forward. That I don't think it should be too difficult for him to adapt style wise. Would, would be sort of a big plus of it. Um, and I know obviously now that same managers, same players, that there's a big demand to hit the ground running, especially when if you know the rumoured fees are correct or even partially correct, then there's being a, a lot of money being forked out for them. Absolutely, absolutely. Just defensively then, sort of heading back the other way, you mentioned his ability one-on-one. Um, again, <laughs> YouTube scouting, I feel like making these points is, is, is not redundant, but it's you know less informed than, than yourself and I'd love to hear your opinion on it. I, I lo- It looks like he's got a great radar for danger. Um, I spotted him 
loads of times, sort of almost eyes in the back of his head kind of stuff, you know, ability to sort of play as players way out of danger. And his recovery pace is really, really good. I mean, defensively, you said one-on-one, you, you trust him and, and all that sort of stuff. He, he, statistically, he looks really good with players who can play out from the back and are so kind of um, elegant in that. Sometimes there is that sort of perhaps defensive frailty and that can again mean many different things does that mean concentration positioning whatever that but defensively are there any concerns for you or do you think he's he's sort of the full package that way as well um i think maybe sometimes like any player that age produced a bit raw needs needs a bit more time to come a bit more polished um yeah uh for, for the most part really really good a great recovery defender as you say so when he loses the ball um, i can think of a couple of i think he had a really really good one against city um again sort of it, there, there aren't any scenarios where I wouldn't back him to try and make a good clean tackle, a really, really good clean tackle. I don't think he concedes too many fouls. And when he does, he obviously concedes good fouls, so he stops counters quite well. Obviously, mm. uh, he got sent up at Chelsea um, earlier on this season, perhaps a bit harsh with this first yellow card that he got. Uh, but we were saying on, on the pod that, that we were doing on the page that you know it was actually a really, really it's the best red, card, best red card to get in that situation because he stopped a counter attack with sort of about a minute mm. to go, well in our half. and you, know, you you take a one game suspension uh, and the point over you know, uh, flipping around the way. So yeah, really really good coming back to go. I know, I know there was one point um, this season where I think Rashford sort of sat him down twice when we played United earlier on in the season. Um, but look, that that happened to the best of defenders. Happened to Player of the Year Ruben Diaz when Trossard did it to him um, on the same pitch. So um, yeah, I think it'd be easy to sort of cherry pick moments <laughs> where he's yeah where, where he's good or bad. But um, yeah, no, I, I think for the most part really really strong. Um, and, and again, it's these things that don't necessarily, and they don't need to be captured sort of statistically, but they're the things that you won't see straight away looking at the numbers. And I think he's a very elegant player to watch. He, you know, I think he'd be really, really comfortable and has been comfortable, um, you know, against sort of more of a modern forward and modern nine, who a bit more like a Harry Kane, like a 9.5 really, that isn't always going to pin the back line, more inclined to maybe drop in. Um, he's the sort of player that you'd be really happy to go with them because he can win the ball mm. there. And as you say, he's a uh, really, really good ability to read the game. And I think good control and restraint as well. And not only is he good at that, but, doesn't always dive in, uh, wins the ball quite a lot. I think particularly through interceptions as well. I know in the championship, I think he made the most um, by a long way. And I think he was second. I think who scored has him um, second for interceptions in total, at least among defenders sort of last season. Um, so again, yeah, and that in terms of starting counter attacks can be a really, really, really good outlet. Um, mm. I, was, I was watching back the, uh, I think it was the City game the other day. And yeah, there was a moment where he sort of pinched the ball on the halfway line and drove to sort of the final third. So mm. um, yeah, a really, really good player to win the ball back in, in those situations. And, you know, it, being able to attack against sort of a, a disjointed back line. I, I can't, you know, conf- I confess that I don't watch too much of Arsenal, but I often see teams sitting deep against you guys. Um, so I think to have someone that can win the ball and give you a chance to attack against a, a defence that isn't set and isn't structured is, is really, really invaluable. Just, I guess, on kind of Arsenal and the way that we play, do you, and and, and also just kind of like stature-wise, as a club that has had probably, you know, the two worst seasons in both my and Alex's lifetimes, this is, I, I guess, a big move, especially kind of just optically with, you know, us spending a lot of money on Saliba, him coming in to, to, to take that spot. Do you think he's ready to take kind of a what would be considered, even though I don't think you guys finished really that far away from us last season, uh, a step up and try and kind of get us back into that kind of Europa League, Champions League bracket? Can you see him kind of almost being the, like the marshaller of that back line for um, kind of bigger expectations? Yeah, uh, I think so. Um, I think he may be Trumped a bit more last season. I think Dunk is the normally the standout player in terms of stature and commanding the back line. And I, I don't see why White can't do it. Maybe he, he's better as a you know being led than he is a leader himself, which is fine. Um, I think when you look at Brighton last season and the numbers will tell you all of it that you know White in the back line was not the biggest problem. It was a problem at times at the points we dropped from winning positions, but you know wasn't uh, a paramount problem as perhaps compared to the run of the pitch where we were incredibly wasteful. Um, so I think for all intents and purposes, I think. And it sounds silly to say, I think we've got one of, you know, if you sort of take out the, the top six, one of the best sort of backlines in, in sort of total when you look at all the players and, and the money spent and stuff. Um, I think you look sort of look the second half of the season, um, at least when Rob Sanchez and the games that he played when he sort of came in sort of winter time, uh, very end of November. And I think he's got the fourth best clean sheet rate in the league, which I know it's not, sorry, not necessarily the best thing to evaluate keepers based off. But when you look at defences as well, that White was a big part of that. Um, obviously, he played more than Duncan Webster did. Um, was absolutely tremendous. So I, I, de- I definitely think so. Um, I think it'll be a good test as well. It'll be really good to see him play 
sort of under that pressure. He looked really composed. Admittedly, his England game or his debut, sorry, was, was a warm-up um, and the game became one of them as well. But I, I'm really looking forward to seeing him, hopefully. And I think he's got the capabilities and even the ability now to go on and play at that level. So to see him do that, I mean, that's I think that's the one big sort of saving grace with seeing him move on will be we can see him now in, in Europa League, um, if you guys can get there, of course, and in Champions League um, and hopefully, you know, for England as well. Absolutely. And and in comparison to our um our current defenders, he is literally better tackling, set play headers, open play headers, uh, passes over anything up to under uh, sort of 20 metres and ball retention. You know, so in terms of the things that we're going to be wanting him to do, he's already better than what we have, which is while we're forking out the money. So just before we come on to weaknesses, then um, one other thing that I think he's really good at is his pressures and the stats kind of back it up. He's got he's pressuring um well uh, you know it's sort of fb ref stats sort of speak for themselves and you know in the 80s and 90s but more specifically he really excels high up the pitch in the middle third and the attacking third i think you know from an arsenal perspective and and i'm not sure how how this is sort of translated to brighton because perhaps there's a maybe a desire to sit slightly further uh, slightly deeper i think arsenal have been better when we when we pushed up slightly someone like david luis does allow us to come that five ten yards further up the pitch and it does close the distances it does allow for teams to settle into shape a little bit slower and i think it is really important and you don't i think you know someone like ben white as you say maybe stats don't always pick it up but someone who who can win the ball that slightly further up the pitch can construct that move and then you know you get the match of the day highlight reel where it's someone crossing in from the outside but he is that player who actually can push a team a bit further up and i'm, I'm sure that's something he's done for brighton Mm, definitely. I think uh, it's among all Premier League teams last season. I think uh, the the analysts, which is opted their sort of season review, had us third for um, sort of high turnovers, which I don't know specifically, but it's something like within 40 metres of the goal, which is it's basically final third. Um, obviously, one surprise on here that we, we didn't score too many from them. Um, but, you know, to turn the ball up high is, is really good. And um, it's been part of White's role, maybe a bit more Basuma as well, or sort of gross, but those sort of pivot players involved in the middle where, uh, really started to go quite man for man, sort of second half of the season, where we brought in um, sort of Welbeck a bit more into the side, and sort of him a pie. The the tactic just briefly to for it to make sense to people was sort of split strikers, where they were pushing wide, um, and then we we're having sort of late runners come into the middle, um, trying to trying to attack balls, and that be Trossard or Gross, whoever. Um, as part of that sort of their their role then in in build up was sort of dealing with centre backs who often split wide, particularly from goal kicks, and then it would leave someone like Basuma. Um, or gross or white on occasion as well to come in and, and track that runner and sometimes as you say that that would involve um, pressuring he, he's quite competent I think for his size there's definitely bigger players than him doesn't look too bad at all against someone bigger than him um, not quite as dominant aerially I know that he said he, he out, outperformed Arsenal players which is obviously good for you guys I'm not sure he's as dominant as perhaps Webster or Dunk but again that might be a size thing and even a style thing as well that he's often a, a, a bit wider um, I'm not sure his jewels are as often like clearing crosses. I think they're probably a bit more dealing with long balls. Um, and I think often in in the Brighton side that quite compact often as well um, defensively, at least when teams are sort of launching long and we've got people like Basuma there that can sweep up. So we say, OK, you know, if White's not going to win the first ball, then it might it might be OK. We've probably got enough to sort of deal with that um, in terms of Sanchez coming to sweep or someone else picking up a loose ball. Um, so yeah, on, on on that front, sort of all, all okay. So then, um, just to come on to potential concerns, the only thing I have is his height, which we've just discussed. And at six foot, it's not the tallest for a centre back, but kind of for what he does, it's not the end of the world. And, and you know, he'll probably be paired with someone like a Pablo Mari or a Gabriel who who are a bit taller. Are there any concerns for you? Sort of, you've mentioned perhaps his rawness. I appreciate he's you know he's twenty three. Any sort of maybe more uh, long-term concerns about his actual ability? I, I don't think so. Um, I think probably the Arsenal fan base are quite a hard one to please from what I've seen. So I, I hope that there's oh, yes. a problem with him. If, you know, if he, heaven forbid, he doesn't have the best of starts, um, then, you know, maybe that that is a, a big, um, you know, it's, it's, a, it's a big, big fan base to sort of try and please and high expectations. And yeah, I think um, less technical, tactical, maybe a bit more psych for him now of, He's sort of come through and he's been an underdog the whole time where, you know, when he was out on loan, when he was at Leeds, even coming in, you know, start of the season that there weren't, as I sort of said, there weren't bright guys expecting him to play this much, at least sort of, you know, early sort of uh, September before the season started. Um, and even, you know, when he was called up for England numbers off the back of a Trent Alexander-Arnold injury that um, everything sort of happened at a very fast pace. And um, yeah, I, I think for him, it's just not doing too much too soon and, you know, being able to slowly settle into this and, He's had quite a meteoric rise to the top from someone who, yeah, as we were saying, sort of at 
um, sort of 16, this is this is only seven years on, someone who was without a football club, um, to now be an England international and you know, possibly mm. have a £50 million price tag. Um, so, yeah, I, I think they're sort of dealing with the psychological repercussions. And, of course, I've got no idea what, what they're like because I was unfortunately never that good at football. Um, so, yeah, it's it's definitely a big test, um, but a good one, I think, for him as well. A good mm. one. And if, if he can pass that, then, you know, who knows what he can do. I mean, he's definitely coming into probably the worst fan base for you know quickly judging players um it's it's bad but yeah it, it it's a concern i mean it's actually something i wanted to come on to now i mean sort of less sort of on the pitch stuff off the pitch you mentioned obviously he was released at 16 from southampton and to show the kind of mental resilience to come back and and to be as you mentioned you know in england's international 7 years later is absolutely incredible what do we know about him sort of off the pitch is he sort of you know i i, I can't picture him sort of Yang sort of extravagantly riding around in his lambo what do you know about him you know is he i imagine he's quite well liked i mean you know from a sort of academy player obviously you know sort of part of the furniture there anything anything any concerns in that way either I don't think so. I can't say I know too much about him off the pitch. Um, there's a really funny video of him, if anyone's uh, not seen it, of him running up Gemma Collins. Uh, it's just a few years back now. He's in, I think he's in Magaluf or somewhere. Uh, and, and people started rinsing that again so when he got his England call up. Um, seems like a really sort of nice guy. He speaks really well in press conferences. I've watched his whole one for England. Um, and as we were sort of discussing earlier on about his rise to the top, they were asking then, of course, that the media as they were were sort of saying, you know, what were you made sort of last season at Leeds? And he was very quick to say that you know, he had loaned to us before that and he's worked really hard to be where he is, that he doesn't feel he was sort of made anywhere, but each each loan spell in each season as, as a part of his development. Um, and yeah, really sort of articulate and, and seems to take a lot of care as well in how he presents himself. Um, again, that's all I can infer. I don't like sort of genuinely know this. This is just press conferences and of course every player will do their utmost to, to be um, as articulate and well-presented as possible. But um, yeah, seems to be a really sort of well-liked figure um, from, from within the group. Um, you know, the, I, I follow him on Instagram and he, he, he doesn't seem to live too much of a wildlife. Um, so, yeah, he seems like quite a family guy as well. I think he's got a dog. I think most players have a dog. Um, <laughs> he, yeah, yeah, he, he, yeah, he likes his tattoos as well. Um, so okay. read into that what, what you will. Um, yeah, he yeah. basically just seems like another 23-year-old bloke from the south of England, really. Who just happens to be pretty good at football. Yeah, very, very good just, at football. That's such a good thing, though, because it, it, it like hopefully that especially will just keep him grounded in what you know. Because if I like or lump Arsenal fan TV, like th- that's a big, but as in like the kind of vitriol that can tend to come from that kind of sphere. Having a grounding as just like a regular human being is like is a big positive because we do have some very, very, very extravagant, but very confidence-based players. You know, there's a story from a little while back of uh, Lacazette apparently inviting two girls back to his house to watch him play. And he dropped such a disaster class that he didn't go home that night. Um, and so having just a normal, regular guy, or so it seems, is probably a big positive in helping him stay kind of who he is around the furore of an expectation. I, th- I think it's also what you said about like in a press conference, like there's only so much you can read into it. All these guys are media trained and stuff, but I do really, really respect those people who are able to show off their personalities. James Madison gave an interview, which, you know, I, I no one knows James Madison personally, you know, from in my circles or anything, but you know, there is a sort of, there is a, uh, an openness quality. There is a certain level of kind of, you know, um, humil- humility and humanity to that person. Also, it's difficult because, you know, he, he speaks English as his first language. But I think, you know, in terms of endearing himself to, to you know, to the fans, you know, ha- being someone who is open and, and is sort of as honest as they can be in interviews, I think can, you know, help with that sort of transition process. And, you know, there's a huge sort of, um, you know, not to say you, you can't be friends with people from different countries, but sort of helps with the settling in process that there is quite a big and strong British core um, at the club. And yeah, it, it'll be interesting to see that. Um, so in, for you then, or perhaps maybe just for the wider Brighton fan base, what sort of notable moments, you know, for example, for me, like I, you know, if I think of, you know, our new signings from last year, I think of, you know, Gabriel's moment. Um, he's got a, a brilliant header against uh, in the Europa League, which sort of sent us through. What was your, what's been your Ben White moment? What do you think, you know, where you sort of went, well, this is the guy. Is there something that sticks out to you? I think this is maybe reflective of him as a player, but I can't think of one moment. There's lots of really good moments. I think that's the consistency with which we mentioned before that, you know, when you play the amount of football that he does and he's a real master of the basics and I don't want people to sort of 
undervalued that statement that no, so who, yeah yeah the, and you notice as soon as they go right that it's it's not um you know just just how valuable it is so I, I can't think of one specific moment. I suppose it also doesn't have the hasn't scored for us. Maybe if he'd scored a goal, that you know that would quite easily play into it. Um, no one's scored a goal for you lot, though. So yeah, well, yeah, no, yeah. there you go. We can't even score against you guys anymore. That's how you know it's going bad. Normally, we're, yeah, you guys let us have some goals. Yeah, so yeah, yeah, I was gutting this season. Zero, zero goals in two games and three against us. Gutted. Um, but yeah, he's so so. Yeah, he pulled out quite a few last ditch tackles. Um, yeah, you'll find numerous clips we, we spoke about his ability on the ball. He's got good on ball speed as well, I think, where you know, can quite easily sort of drift past a few players. Um, got sort of a, a good few sort of line breaking pass in him as well that can sort of really, really punch it past a few players. So, um, I, I think is like as we said, sort of YouTube scouting, which I think there's no shame in that. I don't want anyone to think there's any shame in that. Obviously, it's not, um, necessarily a can completely accurate, you know, thing of the player because it's a, it's a highlights reel, but you know, when you go into watching that, knowing it's the best things of a player, then. You, you know you're not going to get the, the full package. But it's a really good insight, I think, and that none of us have got the, you know, the the time, probably all the emotional energy to sit there and for every player that, you know, even as bad for who Brighton link with now, I can't imagine for Arsenal probably link with a different player like every oh, single geez. day um, or sort of every other day. Yeah, that you'd you'd end up, you know, you, you need to get paid to do that because you don't have the time otherwise. Um, so, yeah, d- definitely nothing wrong with that. And I think, you know, the, the more you look into a player and once you've seen a, a highlights reel, you say, okay, I'll, I'll go and watch a game or two of him now. And I think if you, you watch White in a game, then sometimes the, the context you get with it as well um, can, can be good as well. So uh, a very talented player, very talented player. Is he sort of a leader in that in the Brighton team? Do you, I mean, it's difficult to guess from the outside, but, you know, you do get a sense of who the players, you know, like, for example, in the England team, you know, Kane's the captain, but Henderson's giving the team talk. You know, is, is, do you see that for, for, for White as well? Or is it not particularly one of his strengths? Probably not, and I don't necessarily know if I'd want it to be. And I hate people yeah. using age against players, um, but I don't think he's a senior figure, and I don't think he should be in a first Premier League season. No. I don't think I don't no. think age should hold him back because you'll have players that you know would have played sort of two, three, four Premier League seasons of that age, and maybe then they are a senior figure. Um, and I, yeah, from sort of trying to remember back, and obviously we had the benefit of well, the one good thing about behind closed doors games was we could hear a bit more of the conversation. Um, yeah. you know, Adam Lallana, Pascal Gross are definitely chatty players on the pitch, and. Um, I think maybe that's just down to White's ability uh, again, then, and that to, to suit a group that um, you know he's good at being led as well, which I think is probably just as important, if not more, than being a good leader. Because if you put eleven leaders on the pitch, you're not going to win a game of football because no one wants yeah. to be led if everyone's shouting different things. So um, quite possibly with other capabilities, um, I, I think so. Yeah, definitely. He seems to have quite a cool head as well, and sort of you know we see a lot about, or I don't know how much you guys see, but from the Brighton perspective, a lot about Potter and how calm he can remain. That. I think White is definitely a similar type of player that, you know, mm. I, I've seen, we've seen it with Dunk sometimes where he's lost his head and got stupid red cards and got away stupid fouls. Um, yet to see that with White so far, not to say he can't do it, but definitely seems to be quite a composed player. Um, doesn't get too emotionally charged. Um, and that's definitely, definitely a good thing. Yeah. No, I, and I, should, I probably should have caveated as well because, you know, leaders can come in many different shapes and sizes, right? That, you know, someone can lead by the way they play, by just by example, by the way, you know, what, you know, by the way they talk, you know, there's there's many, many different ways to lead. And I think you're right, you know, you can't have 11 Granite Jackers constantly speaking, you can't have, so it's, you know, it, but it's important that he, you know, you know, that he has his own qualities and, you know, calmness and, and assuredness is, is, a, is, a, is a really, is a really good thing. And, you know, probably slightly lazy punditry would say, oh, Arsenal have never had any leaders. Well, actually, what does that mean? You know, you just want, you need to, you need to win football matches. So, you know, however you get there, no, it doesn't exactly. matter. And I think that you make a, f- uh, a fascinating point, Liam, in that, like you say, 11 pl- leaders on the pitch isn't going to go well because no one wants to be led. And I think, you know, what's been levied at Arsenal about not having leaders is we haven't had one. Whereas I don't think we you need 12, do we? And I think having a player who is willing and ha- and, and has already done it, kind of taken almost a backseat role to the leadership, but still like Alex says, like done his talking on the pitch is such an important to tr- kind of trait to have. Absolutely. Yeah, no, I, I think I think so. I think that's massive. And the more we get into depth about tactics and stats and player styles and bits and pieces, that we, you, we have to remember at the end of the day that these these people are human beings, that, you know, they, they all have a psyche and probably even more so now, I suppose, that they're going to be massively affected by crowds coming back, that they've had a, a full full season of, um, of not having that for the most part. So that, that will affect them as well. You know, that, that pressure now to play under and, the noise and stuff now that affects them. So, but yeah, the, these are players that, and I'm definitely guilty of this to maybe underappreciating the sort of psychological element to it. Um, lots of the time, I think that 
you know, and it's I think it's harder to I say measure for us, but harder to you know understand because we can't see it. Like I can see if White does a lot um, defensively in terms of how he wins the ball and bits and pieces, but I obviously can't see into his brain, so I don't really know how he ticks. And I think that we then try and base that off arbitrary things like, oh, what does his body language look like? Like it was body language. It's a ridiculously mm. vague phrase that you can interpret nothing from. And people, I've seen people get brandished or the media brandished players lazy and, and this and that. And look, I'm not a body language expert. I don't know what their body language means in a player. Something his shoulders might, I might interpret that as one thing. Someone thinks it's something else. Like who actually mm. knows? Um, yeah. I, I think- and it's so, ch- all of that stuff and language is so charged. Like people talk about Harry Kane as if he's, a model professional and citizen for England and then he was kind of trying to tout his own move to Gary Neville like six weeks prior so it's so it's so everything is always about that kind of language just so um, circular it's mental absolutely so I wanted to come on to Brighton I mean I'm always fascinated when we get people we've had um uh, a guy on the before on the podcast called Mario, and he was talking to us about Benfica and like sort of there's been a whole sort of presidential thing, and I think it's fascinating to just learn more and more about the world of football. So cards on the table. I barely watch Brighton. I am very aware of the expected goals problem. <laughs> uh, where do you see Brighton at the moment? Sort of an overall picture of like how you know you know obviously you're losing Ben White or it looks like you're going to be losing what we hope considering we're recording a podcast about it. Um, we hope hope that's happening. Um, but yeah, I mean, where do you see, what's the next step? Is it, uh, you know, as you mentioned earlier, approach to youth? I mean, uh, seems like Premier League status is is fairly secure at the moment. Um, yeah, I think it's important to not sort of try and run before we can walk. Um, this is going into our, our fifth season of, of Premier League football, um, which is very, very good. Um, the, I know the owners, Tony Bloom, is a, a fantastic owner. That is, I, I haven't mentioned him so far, but it'd be a big part of the reason that you'll be paying the fee for why that you will be paying if you do pay it. The, uh, our, our owner is, is a Brighton fan. He's a wonderful person um, to, to have in charge of the club. Comes in the away in sometimes. Uh, in the 17-18 season, he was in the away in behind me at Watford. He was a couple of rows behind me and I got some sort of shake his hand. So yeah, it's tremendous to have that, obviously, when people talk about sort of good, good and bad ownership. And I, I appreciate that's a real luxury and that it's not possible mm. for most clubs to have that. But um, you know, so I remember, you know, I was, I was a, a Wickham sort of in 2009, 2010, um, you know, when, when Brighton played sort of League One back then and the rise of the leagues has been really rapid. Um, so I think it's almost been fast enough that even people in my generation, and I, I appreciate I'm quite young on sort of the, the football fans sort of uh, on, on the spectrum there, that even we sort of understand and we remember what it was like those those times. Um, and that's not a bad thing. I'm not trying to discredit league one. I, I love watching the league football. It's, you know, sometimes a lot more fun than the Premier League. Um, but to appreciate where you come from, I think is, is massive. And Bloom, professional poker player, our, our owner, I know he owns horses now as well. Um, so literally a professional gambler, the exact person you want, right, in charge of your, in charge of your recruitment and um, in charge of doing your, your negotiations. That yeah, yeah, like, yeah. Every chance for window, t- teams will come in for our players. I've come with Dale Stevens before, come to go looking to go to Burnley. People are like, fine, like our, our owner gambles for a living. Um, so, so really, really fun with that. He's spoken about sort of top 10 ambitions, which um, are probably very fair. I, I don't think it's, it's impossible. Um, you know, I, I think for me, I'm still content with, okay, we, we build on, you know, an, another Premier League season first. It's, you know, we we do our we've probably got I'd imagine in sort of that boardroom a, a checklist of sort of or a hierarchy sorry of, of objectives of things they want to achieve and for me always the aim is to sort of building our, our record points total which is forty one we've hit that two seasons in a mm. row now and perhaps we're disappointed that we we didn't sort of extend on that um but you know in terms of like how far we finished in the bottom three was I think up to like thirteen points which is really really good and you know do do that first bit first and then we sort of build on that um let's go higher at the table and that will obviously manifest in different ways that we we. You know, finished on the same points total as uh, 1920 in what we did in 2021, but we did that with a very limited sort of spending power. We did that with a really young squad on average, one of the younger squads in the league, um, you know, behind closed doors that I know every team played behind closed doors and, and in that, but, you know, you, you've got all these contextual factors where for lots mm. of teams, things didn't go as well. Um, and I think that the top half was a lot more competitive. It wasn't like City ran away with it as much. Um, I think it was a, a, yeah, and I think that's why you saw. I don't even think Fulham hit thirty points. I think they hit twenty nine or something like that. So you really saw just how much teams at the bottom are struggling. Um, so I, I think for me, and that's where obviously when we look at it objectively, it can become difficult. But to finish thirteen points at the bottom three, regardless of the points total you hit, I think we're thirteen. I look silly enough, it's not. But um, it's, you know, to to finish that far away is, is really really good. Considering that I think within January at one point in time, or maybe late December, uh, we were outside of it on I think goal difference. There was a point where Fulham played before us, and if they'd have drawn. We'd have been in the bottom three, so it's been uh, been about four years since we were in the bottom three. So we'll hopefully mm. get that going next season. So Potter in, surely? 
Always. Oh, of course. Um, yeah, yeah. I'll, I'll be honest, and there were times where um, earlier on in the season that I had some sort of reservations uh, about it, not necessarily in the sense of um, the, the 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 style of things um, in terms of how we played, but I think there was a point where, and this is where I struggle with sometimes with, with things like the XG metric and, and bits and pieces, where there is up to a point in time where, of course, we put stock into these matches, we consider things, but if you want to look at it objectively and, and put that mathematical, the scientific approach on it, if you're getting things or things are going unlucky, as you want to put it in, 10, 15 games, then that's not unlucky. You're not without luck for yeah. 15 consecutive games. Something is going wrong. Yeah. Um, and I think the, the the biggest part for me, which which was the struggle, was all the points we kept dropping. And I know we still finished top for points dropped, um, but we dropped so many at the start of the season where we were leading in games or we were drawing and then chucked it away. Um, yeah. And then sort of second half of the season, we started to keep a lot more clean sheets. I don't purely want to put that down to the rise of Rob Sanchez coming in, replacing Ryan, because I did really like Matt Ryan. And from what I saw, he, he had a couple of the games for Arsenal as well. Um, yeah, so when he came well. in. Um, yeah, so a keeper I think was good. And we spoke about confidence and stuff. Maybe he was short on that. It was maybe just style-wise as well that, that we, we let him down a bit in the chance we were conceding. Um, but I think that's the you know the key to our success, success in the second half of the season. I think I think we were like third or fourth for goals conceded in, in like 2021, which is tremendous. And we I think our form was pretty much top half form or mid-table form that we were mm-hmm. averaging about 1.3 points per game, which is like 50 a season, which that's nine more than what we finished on this or last season, right? And anything close to yeah. that um, is, is really impressive. So, um, yeah, yeah and, and to see him make the style changes and we lost Sonny March, we lost Tariq Lamptey to injury. Um, he then sort of flipped it back around and said, OK, well, we're now going to use Warbeck and Mapai in sort of wider positions for anyone that's sort of uh, interested tactically. It's sort of like the old school WM that we went to. Um, mm. We sort of went for sort of a back three and, and three up top and then four in the middle. Um, and yeah, had a really, really tremendous sort of end to the season. I think it was a real icing on a cake that yeah, as much as I like to look at things tactically and statistically and, and the coaching hat on that final game of the season or final home game of the season, sorry, where it was fans back in. I couldn't go, but I was watching it on TV and it was, you know, it was great for all those fans. At the end of the day, I am a fan as well. So I'm, I'm as guilty. Yeah, yeah. I'm trying to look at things objectively, but when Dan Burns stuck it past the emotions, the yeah. Team, yeah, yeah. It, it, admittedly, my first thought was, oh my God, he's offside. I can't celebrate this yet until I know. Um, <laughs> and then once it was given, I was, you know, there's, and then my, then, my reaction then was, don't throw it away now. And then at full time, I was like, oh my God, we've actually just beat Man City and Dan Burns got the winner. I love Dan Burns. I think he's exceptional. I think it's a really unfair, bad rep um, among some of the Brighton fans. I think, again, it's different styles of different players. Do you know what I mean? Not every left back or like kind of left sided defender has to be a Kieran Tierney or a Tarek Lamptey that's going to bomb forward and whip balls in. Mm, I think it's a style aspect to it. That if, if he's a 22 year old, sort of young European player who's mm. five foot ten that comes in with sort of a fresh skin fade every week, then people perceive him. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah, he's, yeah. He's, he's, he's missing a finger. He's from, I think, Darlington. He's about six foot seven. He's not, he's not fashionable. He's, he's, not, he's not a sexy footballer, but Brighton's yeah, points yeah. per game average with him in the team is well above what it is without him. So clearly yeah. can't be that bad at all. Yeah. And after pottering, Welbeck in. Oh, of course. Uh, there's sort of some stuff that uh, I've done on the Twitter page um, looking at sort of his, his contribution. You know, it's, it, it pretty won't sound a lot to Arsenal fans. We had seven goals last season. None of them were, were penalties. He missed this one penalty um, against West Brom, but he was our top non-penalty goal scorer. Um, and the, the positions he gets into, obviously, I'd, I'd seen bits of him at Arsenal. Um, yeah. You know, yeah, plays yeah. like someone with the experience that he's got in terms of the, you know, the Champions League pedigree, Euros, World Cup, gets into really good positions. Um really really good as well you know we're speaking about White's versatility I think people undervalue that in strikers somebody can finish left and right foot ahead and you go okay we're not too worried about the service we get into him because he's that good he can finish sort of however we give it to him um, and yeah scored some really neat goals and almost showed that composure that we lacked at times and that just excellence where you've got a player that can you know tight angle can score you've got goal of the season against Leeds I'm not sure if you guys have seen it but ball dropped up ball dropped out the sky and he sort of crotted and smashed it bottom, bottom right corner with his left foot and you're like where have you been? Go on, season, Welbs. Yeah, we've, we've, yeah. yeah, yeah. Go on, Welbsy. <laughs> oh, yeah. So, um, no, uh, a well-earned new deal. Um, I'm really looking forward to sort of seeing him. Um, hopefully, it'll, it'll be able to mean we don't have two uh, games against you guys next season without any goals scored. <laughs> we'll see. We'll see. Um, I'm going to put you on the spot here. Where do you see Ben White in five to ten years? What could? What do you think he could be achieving? Where is his level? You know. Best case scenario, what do you think, you know, do, do you see him top level Champions League? Um, so I'm trying to do the maths in my head because I'm trying to work out if it'll be a World Cup or a Euros in 2026. I'm trying to work yeah. out which one it's going to be lifting. Um, no, I, I, I seriously <laughs> think if, if, I think he's part of a very good England generation now. I think it's impossible to say domestically because he could quite easily move. I yeah. think stylistically, 
and I say stylistically, I don't mean in his current ability, but he's the sort of player and plays the sort of way that someone like Guardiola or someone might want. Um, obviously, I know that they've recruited quite well and they don't necessarily need a, a sort of central defender like that. But, um, yeah, but yeah, could, could do a job. Yeah. Of course, of course. Um, we see players, especially now, sort of moving um, all, all the time. And I hope, I really do hope that he can become a really good player for England. If, you know, if it means I haven't got to watch Tyrone Mings or Connor Cody, um, then you know, <laughs> absolutely anyone. But no, no, just they're obviously very good. Um, that's just they're me. not. They're not very good at all, but... Um, <laughs> Tyrone Mings absolutely clotheslined a player in the warm-up game and it gave me a heart attack yeah no that, that, that was one of the reasons we, you know, we were really proud to see White you know, do so well and sort of stand out against the players that played a lot for England um, I'm just more salty because they've kept Lewis Duncan the England team for sort of six months to a year so that, that's why they're obviously both very good footballers not that they need my validation but they're going to get it anyway so um, <laughs> you know, I, I really hope White can be part of an England generation that um, you know can, can go on and do very good things so I'd, I'd yeah, if England are gonna gonna win a major tournament, um, I would expect them to have them white on the side. Now that's a, a bold claim to make, but what, why not make it? Absolutely, absolutely. Well, listen, that's a good good point to end on. It's been absolutely brilliant having you on, Liam. Fantastic knowledge, brilliant insight. Really appreciate it. Do you want to go ahead and plug yourself? Plug everything. I'm not sure many Arsenal fans will, will go over, but listen, you can try. There's someone. Um, no, of course. So you, join us over on Twitter. We're at Albion Analytics. Um, I hope I don't need to spell that for anyone. I think she'll be okay with spelling that. Um, lots of stats, video, lots of bits and pieces, trying to sort of dissect why Brighton disappointed me at 5 p.m. most Saturdays. It wasn't even most Saturdays, was it? Last season. Um, yes. no, they're, they're, they're very good. So, yeah, trying to sort of work out um, a lot of stuff there. Recruitment, we, we do a podcast, um, Expected Goals. So we try and have some fun there um, and, and try and understand football a bit more. Um, I think the more you try and do it, we sort of realised the, the less that we know from when we started or what we thought we knew. Um, yeah, all, all good oh, fun. Yes. And hopefully we have some good stuff to tweet tweet out when we play Arsenal. There is actually a, a short thread I've got up on there if, if any Arsenal fans are interested. Um, just some sort of stats from over the season looking at Ben White. So I can share that to you guys. And, um, yeah, fantastic. On your page. Um, also something I made from today, um, a defensive donut, I've called it. So just something I made on Excel. Um, just basically breaks down uh, what defensive actions, how they contribute proportionally to sort of Ben White's style of play. It was something I was doing for Yves Basuma, sort of looking at how players you know, defend in terms of what their pressures and tackles account for, how frequently they do these things. So I'm sure that might interest us to sort of see how he likes to defend. Absolutely. That'll all be on our Twitter page. Liam, thank you so much again. Really appreciate Thanks, it. Man. This has been great. All that remains to be said is thanks so much for listening. Keep a different knock and we'll see you later. Thank you so much for listening to the Different Knock podcast. Please hit subscribe or follow on whatever platform you're using. If you'd like to support the show, you can find us on Patreon and buymeacoffee.com. Find us on Twitter at DiffKnock and visit our website, thedifferentknock.com. Thanks. Podcast Network.